The following episode of TOEFOP is classified M.A. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, sexual references, a sex scene, prison rape, time travel, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. There hasn't been any great advances in prison rape or space travel. Hello and welcome to TOEFOP, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. We've started faster. What do you mean? We've started faster today. The, the actual speech. Yeah. Quite often I think when you, when you say like, hello and welcome to TOEFOP, it's quite like you're announcing a war's about to start or something. Like yeah, it's, right. It always feels like it's quite... Hello good. and welcome to TOEFOP. Yeah. <laughs> and it always feels like it's a, you know, it's an event. But today you were like, let's get into it. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's because we had a long lead up. We had a long warm up. Yeah. We discussed a few different things. They won't, won't, probably won't bleed into the episode today, I don't think. We sort of tailed off all those conversations we had. Yeah, we covered off. We did some secret TOEFOP episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we had a whole conversation about the green arrow and how you could modernise arrows. So that was that was really a very TOEFOP-y conversation that we've had before we started. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Do you reckon, just say hypothetically, we were getting paid a million dollars an episode, right? Do you think <laughs> <Yes>. that's... <laughs> all right, I'm in. I'm in. Where do we sign? <laughs> do you think that would affect... Um, okay, a million dollars an episode conditional on like the ratings being a certain level. Okay. okay. Yep. Just say um, you extrapolate from the audience we have now. So the things that are working are time travel, uh, prison rape, Batman yep. discussions. Okay. So we get a million dollars an episode, but obviously they're the things we have to keep talking about. Yeah. Does that then affect our personal relationship when discussing things? Like when you come around and we bullshit before we get on the mics, if I start talking about Batman, do you go, whoa, whoa, dude, that's dude, money. Dude, do not, <laughs> do not pierce money down the drain. <laughs> That is cash. We could buy shit with that conversation. Yeah. yeah. Do you think it would? Yeah, definitely. Because it may affect the quality of our, our work. Wow. Although if I was getting paid like a million dollars an episode, I would spend the majority of the rest of the week I had free, because <laughs> really? I would, uh, reading up on Batman, <laughs> watching time travel, time travel films, <laughs> and getting raped in prison. <laughs> that last part you can do, Charlie. I'm like, like, Will, how can you get to do the time travel and the comic book reading after the prison? Well, sorry. Charlie, I'm doing two thirds of the work. I took two, you take one. That was the deal. I am watching time travel movies and reading about Batman. And you can do the third one. So you come to me and say, Charlie, Mm. uh, we're going to get paid a million dollars an episode, but we need to research. Three conditions. There's three conditions. There's three things we have to research. So I'm happy to do two. Yeah, I'll do two. If you do one. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not realizing my friend was setting me up. <laughs> and I've got like, you just have to sign this contract. And the first two are in really, really big letters. And the third one's just down the bottom, like the little warning they put on alcohol. Okay, so for, <laughs> Drink responsibly. for a million dollars an episode, yeah. uh, just say we do have to do that research. They expect us to be reading Batman, watching time travel films. And one of us has to visit a prison yeah. for one night. Once a month, and it, it alternates. Right. Do we still do it? What sort of prison is it? Uh, like they wouldn't be putting this. I mean, I'd say it's not like a. It's not like a. a um, what do you call them? Not maximum security. security. Yeah, it's maximum security. Oh, it's maximum security. Yeah, maximum security. So we're in with like you know hardened, murderers hardened and killers. Yeah, and killers. And I shit. mean, we get put in our cell. 
But there's like, uh, you know, sort of what we have two hours to go out in the yard and shit like that. That's pretty good, two, two hours a day. Is that what they get? In the I yard? I think you get an hour in the yard. Only an hour? Yeah. Do they get let out of their cages? <laughs> well, not cages. <laughs> it's not like people are coming in from the outside and picking the one that they want to take home <laughs> for their kid for Christmas <laughs> going along. I'm sick of all these criminal farms. People should adopt. <laughs> We've got so many criminals who need a home. I'm sick of people going to criminal farms. Well, that is actually the logical extension of that thought, isn't it? Because, you know, with animals, they say that you should always get a rescued animal. Yeah. But often with rescued animals, they've been the ones that have been, you know, like something's gone wrong with those animals and they're not as well behaved as the other animals or not as wanted. Now, the first parallel you would, you know, draw with humankind, you'd say, well, adoption, you know, yeah. adopt a kid. But it's hard to get it. Like I, my understanding is that you know more people want to adopt a kid yeah. than there are people who can adopt a kid. And it takes time. It takes heaps of Unless time. Unless you're Angelina Jolie yeah. or Madonna. But you could get a criminal tomorrow. Like if you were willing to adopt like an we'll, adult we'll, yeah, criminal. Right. So you go to the adoption yeah. agency and say, I want a kid. And they're yeah. like, look, you know, it normally takes uh, a couple of years as a, a pretty rigorous screening oh. progr- uh, program. However, yeah. <laughs> you could be willing to take a criminal. Yeah. Could probably put this through in the next three we, months. We could get you a criminal in a week. <laughs> <laughs> How young are these criminals? No, fully grown. No, fully grown. Well, that's even better. You don't have to look after them. In fact, if anything, they've got a few skills that'll bring some money into the house. <laughs> what do they do with prisoners when they're done? Like, once you get let out of jail, just say you're a hardcore like, 20-year crim, yep. and you've got no family or anything, when you get let out, can you apply for like the dole and shit? I think once you're out, once you've served your time, you're... Just a no- normal member of society again. All right. But do they have to set you up with any kind of... I mean, they couldn't. There'd be an uproar, wouldn't they? If a guy got released after 20 years and he got put up for a couple of weeks until he found accommodation, they wouldn't. There's no way. Because he's... I mean... What Maybe is, they just give you a list of people who are away on holidays and where their stuff is. You're not getting the dole or anything while you're in prison. Are you? <laughs> no. You get paid. You do get paid. You get paid in prison. Like, if you work. So there's jobs that you can do in prison. And you get paid for those jobs. Okay, so if you're like, I mean, to take the most case, you're making number plates. <laughs> I would like to, when I'm in prison, at least be making novelty number plates. Yeah. Yeah. Hot lover. Yeah. LVR. <laughs> uh, so, you, so they are, you can actually put some cash away. So when you come out, you can at least, you know, get a couple of weeks accommodation until you get a job. I guess so. So you and- get a job washing dishes until they find out you're a crim. Yeah. Throw you out. <laughs> Um, I think they have some sort of work release program. There's like, you know, ways of getting people back into I've the community. I've heard that term before. Stuff. What does that mean? Uh, I don't know, where you get released from prison to work? Oh, it's some in, sort yeah, of, yeah. It's so some sort of program. It'd be a factory. <laughs> Genius. The way you break that down. I believe it is some sort of program in which you get released from prison. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. Right. Okay. So that would mean, if you had like a, a farm or something like that, they might ship in a bunch of kind of convicts to, you know, dig up the turnips. You bury turnips. <laughs> turnips come on the ground. I don't think you bury them. you bury the seeds. That seems like an unnecessary step in the process. <laughs> so we've got all these turnips. Now we just have to bury them, and then we can get them to market. Turnip is a naturally funny word, isn't it? Just yeah. even. Hearing you say that then. Turnip. Turnip. I just love that the first farm you thought of was a turnip farm. <laughs> and that somehow this turnip farm was in so much trouble. Shit was going so badly in the turnip industry that they had to get some criminals in to help. 
Listen, it wouldn't be so bad. I mean, I'm sure you're paying them less than what you pay, like, normal uh, turnip pickers. It's actually, it seems like one of those things that would be a really heartwarming story, um, that if somebody wrote a novel about, like, a true story about a bunch of criminals who helped save a turnip farm. Yeah. Like, it's, it feels like one of those Oprah books. Starring Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. <laughs> As the turnip. <laughs> but it'd be a nice story, you know, like, yeah. heartwarming. Yeah, there must be, like, if if those guys who can go on day release, mm. there must be some kind of... And you, if you were working on that farm, I mean, you must have some relationship with the prisoners. It wouldn't be out, like, you know, wouldn't be out of the question that maybe you develop a relationship with them, maybe a farmer's daughter yeah. or something. Yeah. I mean, if people on your property sort of like three days a week or something, surely something could happen. Yeah, and, like, men in chains are hot. Not touching that one, Will. <laughs> it's my grill team response. Oh, yeah. I'm not going there, mate. Don't go on that. Ooh, look out. <laughs> uh, I was thinking about this actually recently when I was watching um, uh, a TV show called The Sons of Anarchy. Uh, you've never watched that, have you? I've, I've, I know what it's about. Mm. I've never watched a full episode. Yeah, so because it, it's basically for people who haven't watched it and I'm, I think I'm going to be able to talk about this without you know particularly spoiling it for anyone because the, the premise of it is it's about a, a motorcycle gang. Uh, and when did you start watching it? Like recently? Like I started watch. I just finished watching series four and mm. I started watching it about a week and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. I like was like, I'm going to watch Sons of Anarchy. And then I just charged through it. Are you like, watching it with Amy? Oh, uh, well, we, we started together. Oh, no. And then she got ahead of me. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then I, I kind of caught up. Yeah. And then uh, she came, she, she, she got across the line first. But now we're both finished. Okay. Yep. And were you watching them together or separately? Separately, most, most of the time. time. Yeah, right. Sometimes together. We try to come together occasionally. We have discussed this, but Jeremy and I, we can only watch in unison. I don't think... I, t- I feel guilty when I watch stuff on my own. Most of the things that um, I want to watch, Amy doesn't want to watch. So it's good that we, I watch them on my own, in my shame hole. Yeah. Yeah. I think I have a couple of things that but my... Yeah. I think just for, just for efficiency's sake... We just pick shows that we can both watch together at the same time. Yeah, but I, I like to, like, when I'm in my office or something during the day, I like to be able to watch a show. So but you can work and watch TV. Yeah. I can't do that. I, I can't have something on the background while I'm working. It doesn't, it starts bleeding into my work. Yeah. And sometimes something really exciting happens, like when uh, Charlize Theron was a special guest star on the latest series of Top Chef. Uh, that I just like to enjoy that moment by myself. <laughs> I just go, oh my God. Was... I thought this show could never get better, but it is better. Are you a fan of Charlize Theron? I wasn't. Do and you think I she's am. like beautiful and stuff? You know what? I, I, I never was a, a massive fan of hers, but as I've got older, I've become more and more a fan of hers. You know who are, who is a big fan of her, are plural, is Chicks. Chicks love Charlize Theron. Yep. She's a hot chick that they don't feel threatened by. Yep. It's weird. Like Gemma loves her. You know what she is? She's the anti-Jolie. Yep. Whereas Jolie gives off this kind of air of, you know, I'm a man-eater and smoldering. She seems kind of like, yeah, I'm beautiful, but approachable. Yeah. She's, well, she's, she manages to do all of it. She manages to give it a little bit of like monster where like, you know, she's... <laughs> and then at the same time, she can be in some sort of perfume ad where she like just like, you know, is like tossing her clothes off and being all sexy and supermodel And you're just like, yep, I buy both of those things. You know what? This is off the topic a little bit, but just talking about actresses who, you know, can do it all. Juliette Lewis. <laughs> there was a time when Juliette Lewis could do it all. Mm. Um, there's a photo going around online, 
that someone sent a link to. Do you know that a photographer, is it Terry Richardson? He does like kind of, he does photos that have like a kind of sleaze aesthetic. That's his kind of thing. It's like sleaze and... Seems to be a lot of photographers whose aesthetic is getting hot women naked. Yeah, but... That is like a massive sort of thing. No, but this is like a trendy, like it's really trashy. He okay. does a lot of, um, like, he's done a lot of kind of photography books where he literally will take like porn stars, but shoot them very, not artistically, it's not like he's shooting in black and white, like he'll shoot them in colour, but they're very explicit, very kind of in your face, sort of white trash, but kind of arty in that way. If it didn't, does that make any sense? Sort of ugly, beautiful kind of artwork. Right. Anyway, so um, he has photographed a heap of very famous chicks naked. He's got a few collections. Um, you might remember there was a promo for Gossip Girl. I think it was on the cover of Rolling Stone. It was Blake Lively and Leighton Meister, Meister, whatever the other, the brunette chick is. And they've both got an ice cream between them. And they're both like licking the ice cream and it's running down their arms. Really suggestive kind of photos. I've those? not seen that, but as soon as we finish this <laughs> podcast, I will be going home and I'll be looking that up alone in my office right. watching Top Chef. <laughs> so that's, that's his aesthetic. Anyway, I got sent this link to a photo and it appears to be him having sex with Juliette Lewis. Um, so the way I'll describe... So just say they're, fa- they're both facing the camera. He's behind her. And so he's holding her from behind with her legs up. So she's doing, making a W shape with her legs. And he's fucking her from behind. And she's like... And they're both looking at the camera smiling. So like, if you can imagine, it looks like a, a bit like a crab. <laughs> a crab if it was up on its hind legs, right? So look, it clearly looks like her. And clearly it looks like him. And it has his... Aesthetic, like, you know, he takes very explicit photos of genitalia and stuff as part of his kind of thing. So it's not out of the question, but I Googled and no, I couldn't find a trace of anyone saying it was real or not. Like it was barely spoken of. It seems an elaborate thing for someone to make up. And it doesn't look like Photoshop. You know, you've seen those photos yeah. where they take like Kirsten Dunst's head and they put it on like a black girl's body. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really, the guys weren't really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Barry, I know it's your first day at work, but uh, is Miranda Kerr meant to have a cock and balls? <laughs> so, yeah, this fucking photo, man, like it is, it's been haunting me. I, I sort of, I, I don't know if it's the kind of thing you can send on because the, curi- the curiosity factor is what's attracted me. Like, is this her? Mm. But it is a photo of two people having sex. That's not something you can just send around. You know, you've got to think very carefully before you share that with your friends. Juliet Lewis is the sort of person that you can't imagine oh, definitely. doing a photo like that. Yeah. That's why it works. Yeah. Like if it was somebody else. You if, might... it was, if it was uh, Angelina Jolie or yeah. Charlize Theron, you just wouldn't go, believe it. Wouldn't no, happen. She wouldn't no, have it. It's Photoshop. Yeah. But, but she's Julia Lewis, you're like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. It's the kind of thing. Who she's else? She's a Scientologist. If it, was like Courtney, if it was Courtney Love, you could see it happening as well. Courtney Love. Yeah, Lindsay but I reckon Lowen. if it was Courtney Love, like... Everyone would vomit. <laughs> if it was Courtney Love... The everybody, world would vomit. Everybody would then send in their own Polaroids of when they did that with her. Yeah. <laughs> People just send in iPhone messages and stuff. There's nothing sadder than a, an older celebrity who tweets photos of their tits to get attention. It's so embarrassing. Uh, I had a, a sex dream about someone that I'm not particularly attracted to. And... It was... Um, Who was it? it? Someone we know or a celebrity? A celebrity. Uh, and, and someone that I just don't really... Um, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, two things. This was why it was weird for me to, like, have a sex dream about this person. And when I say a sex dream, 
Like, I don't think we ever, like, had sex in the dream. But it was like a, you know, a romance dream. Um, two things. I, even though I've met this person before and they're clearly very beautiful, you know, I, I don't have a personal sort of attraction to this person. And secondly, this person goes out with a guy I know. And there was part of me going, I feel bad. Yeah. I feel bad that I've cheated on my mate's girlfriend mm. because he... Cheated on your mate with his girlfriend. Well, well no. Hang on. Who, yeah, well, who I was, are you dreaming about? The boyfriend or the girlfriend? <laughs> no, no. But I was... Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was cheating. Yeah. Cheating with, on him. On my mate with, with his girlfriend. <laughs> You're right. That's yeah. true. Um, even though it was a dream, I still feel bad that somewhere in my subconscious that was happening. Yeah. And not only... Did I do that? But he was in the dream. So it wasn't uh, like we were in a universe where he didn't exist. Uh, because that would be fine. Yeah, yeah. Right? You've got no other choice. Yeah. I mean, he, he can't be mad. He doesn't even exist in this unit. Exactly. Universe. He should be happy that she's found someone else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he existed in this universe. He was in the dream. And we were going around behind his back. Wow. In the dream. That is... Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> Subconsciously, they say characters in your dream just represent uh, sides of your own personality. Right. So what is this guy like? I mean, I mean, you, I said, you said you know him, not necessarily friends. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but, what, right. what is he, is but he's he, always been really friendly to me. Okay, so he's know, a nice guy? Seems like a nice guy. And uh, I'm just trying to check this dream for you. you gotta give me, what, like he's what, a young, hot, you know, leading man, like a real cool sort of affable, funny, you know, and seems like a really generous sort of guy. Is it not me? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not you. I'm just so bad at celebrity head. I thought you were setting me up again. <laughs> Charlie, what I've been trying to say is I want to sleep with your girlfriend. <laughs> I think I said, Charlie, that he was a popular actor. Yeah. That's where I was confused, though. That's why I didn't say it earlier. It's like, I know, he said he's successful. So can't possibly be me. <laughs> so uh, he's an affable, successful yeah. kind of guy. Yeah. Does he live in Australia or overseas? Both. Okay. All right. That makes sense. My look, my rough thumbnail woman's daydream interpretation is that you are, the girl I think represents kind of hypothetically, let's say it represents home and Australia and familiarity. Okay. In your subconscious, you are flirting with the idea of being home and, you know, but this guy represents your other ambitions of being overseas and, and doing good work mm. and becoming a bigger personality. And, and you are worried that the time that you've spent in Australia when maybe you should have been in the States, you're cheating on that dream. You're cheating on that ambition. That's what I think your dream means. Oh, my God, Charlie. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a great dream interpreter. Actually, if there's anyone who wants to email yeah. TOFOP and you want me to interpret your dream, keep it to like one paragraph, Don't not pages and pages. I'm more than happy to interpret dreams because... For $1 million an episode. <laughs> I'm quite good at it, but it's all about just... It's because I, I write yeah. and I write narrative. You just pick up symbols and then kind of find a connection. But that's... I honestly think that that could be maybe what your dream represented. Right. Wow. I mean, I don't know enough about the people you're talking about. Maybe no. you tell me off mark and it'll make more sense. Yeah. That would I, be my interpretation. Oh, that's good though. I like that. Yeah. I fingered the fuck out of Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Did you really? No. Oh. <laughs> I had a dream about uh, Angelina Jolie uh, a few nights ago where at first, um, you remember the baby animals? Yeah. Susie Susie Dimanche. Oh my God. Oh. Like Susie Dimanche fueled more masturbation sessions than any other female through my like mid-teens. Well, she'd be wrapped to hear it. <laughs> I went to a... Co I went Do you to think you would be wrapped? 
If you found yeah. out that a, girl, a thousand girls masturbated to me, yeah, yes, I'd be wrapped. Like if you found out that you know all the members of the are there like Ch- Charlie Clawson Blue Heels <laughs> fan club, all two of them <laughs> who are in my family, <laughs> no. <laughs> but no, but if you, if some girl came up to you and said, look, you know, I, when I was coming of age. And I was discovering about my own sexuality. I happened to be a really big fan of the Clouds Daughters, mm-hmm. and you were my favourite character. And like one, night I had a picture of you on the front cover of my school folder. And one night I came home, and the folder was there on the table where I was meant to be doing homework. And I was laying on the bed, and suddenly I got this like sensation, and I slid my hand slowly. Anyway, I'm not going to go into the no, whole please, story. Keep going. <laughs> just, I'm almost there. Keep going. <laughs> Uh, would that be a compliment or would that make yeah, you feel uncomfortable? You feel, uh, look, as, not, as long as nothing weird happens, if the next part of the story is, and I'd look at your post and I'd put my hand down my pants and then my uncle would walk in and he'd have like a bag full of carrots, then all right, I don't, I don't want to have inspired some kind of fucking depravity. But if it's just someone discovering masturbation, then I reckon that's a compliment. I mean, I know how much joy it's brought me over the years. And if I could meet and shake the hands of all the women they who would shake your hand. <laughs> They know where that hand has been. If you met Susie DeMarchi today, and I think she's married... To Nuno Bettencourt. From Extreme, right? Is yeah. that what it's from? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I'd love to sort of say I, I love that I, I was happy for them getting together, but um, I need to find something more than words to express <laughs> how jealous I was. Well, the fact that you knew his name straight away does give us an indication of how extreme your <laughs> anger was. But when up- I, yeah, if I was in a room with him, I'd say, get the funk out. <laughs> but he would be wrapped that you remembered two of their songs. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, he'd be like, he's told me to leave, but I feel good that at least two cut through. But then I'd feel bad after he's left. It'd be like there's a hole in my heart <laughs> that could only be filled by him. <laughs> uh, if you met Susie Namachi today I went to see them when they reformed a few years ago How did she look? Like in regard to your Because it shouldn't matter how she looks She was like a You know They were a good band she, but, uh, but you're talking about it in the context of the, the Teen fantasy yeah. um, She looked her age mm. But she's a good looking woman So her age is You know She looks good But it Was, was not- she a RILF? It's a real rock star I'd like to fuck. <laughs> uh, look, no. I'll be honest and say that... Because when I was into the baby animals, she was fucking this like... I mean, it's funny when you look at my girlfriend now and you look at her mm. and she was like this tattooed, strutting rock chick, full of attitude, blah, 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 blah. Like that was, you know... This wasn't what she was like at this reunion gig or whatever because she's a mother now. I mean... Her life had changed. She was no longer uh, that rock star. She was... She was in a knitted jumper. <laughs> she, would have, she stopped halfway through to drink from her thermos. <laughs> no, look, she was still, like, rocking it out, but it's it's not like... Back when I was fantasising about... She would go over to get a drink between songs and then put it down on a coaster. <laughs> back when I used to fantasise about it, the fantasy would uh, be, you know, the... We'd, you know, I'd go backstage and we'd have a fucking crazy sex and then we'd go out in the town and do drugs and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. That's not who she is now. Right. So the fantasy doesn't relate. Mm. My fantasy is still stuck in the kind of when she was in her 20s and 
you know, she doesn't she doesn't give that off anymore. No. It's not to say, like, physically, I mean, I'm a guy. I, I could fuck anything. <laughs> there you go, ladies. There you go, tough off coins. <laughs> well, let's just say guys aren't fast. Uh, I mean, if you find a girl half attractive, you could have sex with her. And the sheer, like, um, the... The fact that I could come on Tofop and say that I had sex with Susie DeMarchi would be worth it. Have to check with Gemma first, but <laughs> I would still sleep with her now, but do not for the think, same reasons I would have slept with her. Do you think you would give Gemma, uh, would Gemma would give you a free pass for Susie DeMarchi? Well, she knows how much I had a crush on Susie yep. DeMarchi, but I don't think so. Do you think that Gemma would ever give you a free celebrity pass? Because, yes. you know, that, that is like a yeah, yeah, common thing. thing. Yeah. Everyone understands that, but I think a lot of people say it. But if it came down to that moment, they wouldn't actually let them do it. Do you no, think I genuinely, would be like- I genuinely believe. Well, it depends. So, you know, I'm just saying my five passes. I think as long as she was cool with them, I think it'd be okay. If she met them and they're a bitch, yeah. there's no way she's going to let her boyfriend. But just say we met and we all hung out one night and she was really cool and she dug her and didn't feel threatened by her. I think that, yeah, she would be cool with it. Yeah, right. But they'd have to be exceptionally famous or exceptionally remarkable for me to get away with it. Wouldn't be just like Lindsay Lohan. We saw, uh, yeah, honey, um, Lindsay Lohan's in the toilet giving out free hand jobs. <laughs> Is this Can cool? I put it on my list? <laughs> no. Um, I, uh, we saw George Miller down the street the other day at the butcher. Is one of your top five? <laughs> and I said, Amy. <laughs> You know how much I love Happy Feet. <laughs> it's time for Will to get Happy Meat. <laughs> well, it was at the butcher. It was an unusual place for me to be because obviously as someone who doesn't eat meat, I, I rarely go into the butcher. And yeah. uh, we'd gone in because... Um, uh, the cats didn't have any food at home and we were so lazy that rather than go to the supermarket and buy the cats, you know, the sort of food that cats might enjoy, we just went, no, let's go to the most expensive butcher in the world and buy them expensive meat and feed them that so we don't have to walk anywhere else. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're fucking eating Doritos for dinner. So uh, we've gone in there and, and George Miller's there in the, in the butcher shop. You've met him a couple of times, so yeah. Yeah, I've met him before. We've Does met... he live in your area? So... I guess he must, like because yeah, I bump him through him. Yeah. And look, you know, uh, to be honest, it'd we... be awesome if you just drove like a V8 interceptor, like you always knew when George was fucking passing by because you look out the window, it'd be a fucking gang of bikies chasing him. <laughs> um, that would be cool. He should do that. He he would still probably have some of those props somewhere. Yeah. I, if if I had made Mad Max or well, anything actually, I iconic. I don't think those. I don't think there are only V eight. I think there's a lot, bunch of replicas, but I don't yeah. think the original cast still exists. I. It's one just behind you up there. That's the scale model. <laughs> How appropriate that my microphone just drooped when I said probably yeah. the nerdiest thing. Yeah. When you showed me your scale model of Mad Max's car, <laughs> my even the went microphone flaccid. went limp. <laughs> even the microphone took you off his list. <laughs> so. Anyway, after um, we've been uh, in the butcher, we've walked away and, and Amy and I had an opportunity to discuss that it was, you know, there was George Miller. And I said to her, because Amy does, um, you know, some set design and like art direction stuff. Yeah, Stan Hicks for us, she's yeah. good. And I said, to, I said to her, you said, you should go and introduce yourself. You know, like he's doing Mad Max at the moment, you know, like. He's you always know, got stuff going on. He's always got stuff going on. But I, then I said to her, I said, and you know who's uh, playing Mad Max? Oh, yeah. Tom Hardy. And she was like, 
Are you giving me instructions on how I could hunt down and fuck Tom Hardy? <laughs> yeah, that is dumb, man. And I was like, technically, I guess I am. I'm saying, look, if you go and make friends with George Miller, he might employ you on his film. Tom Hardy's on the film. Then the two of you, it's late at night. Fucking hell. Bang, you go on. But you, you love Tom Hardy. You wouldn't hold that against her. I would not. I would say just get me some photos <laughs> and some signed merch. <laughs> <laughs> and at the height of passion, get him to whisper some secrets about the new Batman film. <laughs> if she came home with one thing about the Batman film that I hadn't been able to read on the internet, I would consider that a victory. <laughs> So, we were, uh, Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. So, I just started watching it and, yeah, literally belted through it in a week and a half. It's unreal. And um, it's by a lot of the same people who did The Shield, which I've talked about before on this show as being one of my absolute favourite shows of all time. So, yeah. it yeah, it kind of suits the sort of thing that I dig. And there's this great bit, actually, in season four, and this is not a spoiler in any way. Um, Turns out they're all dead. <laughs> they've been dead the whole time. <laughs> Uh, they're all women. It's actually the Daughters of Anarchy, a whole new show. Uh, they had to sell it to Oprah's network and she said, I like it, but I've got to make some changes. No, um, there's a great scene when one of the sons is in prison and uh, they come in to talk to him and he's watching The Shield. Oh, really? Yeah. That's great. On the TV. That's in really prison, cool. So I enjoyed that. But one of the things this bikey club does and why I thought it was interesting is part of being in this bikey club is the idea that if, you know, you have to go down and serve some time for the club, you will serve some time for the club and, you know, you'll just do it. Like, that's part of being in the club. Can you ever imagine, like, have you ever thought even, like, about being... A bikey? A bikey. Like, <laughs> no. even in a fantasy way? No. no really? I, no, never at all? No, I've read a couple of books about bikeys and stuff. And I just... That whole world... I just don't understand... I mean, A, I don't understand why any women would want to be, like, in a bikey gang because... You're basically saying, well, I'm content to be like third rung. But also like... Well, yeah, but I, but we're not women. Like, you know, like, yes, it's shit for women being in a bikey gang. So, but, yeah. But like from what I see on this this show, which I can only assume is a documentary of what it's like to be in a bikey gang. I'm not a great drinker. I'm not a great fighter. <laughs> These guys have sex with women all the time. You like having sex with women and there's bikey girls who want to get in your like leather pants constantly. Are they hot in this show or are they hot... They're there, hot. Because I haven't seen any hot, real bucket chicks. In this show, um, the, the bikers at one stage, uh, they're, they're running porn because that's one of the things that's like actually legal. You know, so they're, they've got this factory that's full of like porn stars and they constantly just have sex with the porn stars. Yeah, right. That would happen, I guess. I mean, you see bikers with strippers all the time. That Like uh, that dude who shot the dude in, in Melbourne, wasn't he in a strip club or he's... he's Dating a stripper or something? Yeah, like that's that? right. Yeah, bikies are always like bikies and strippers go mm. together. Yeah, it's yeah. A perfect match. <laughs> like, it's uh, like peaches and cream, bikies <laughs> and, and strippers. strippers. <laughs> what do you got? You got a perfect match. Dexter's there in the front row of the strip club going, <laughs> I can give this 92%. <laughs> Sons of Dexter. <laughs> so, um, okay, so you've never, like, it doesn't appeal to you at all, that no. idea of like. No, no. I mean, the idea of riding a motorbike and stuff, but I don't, I don't really want to belong to any gang. I'm not a kind of guy who uh, hangs on to, like, friends for the sake of... You know, there's dudes who, you know, they finish high school and they'll hang out with guys that they really don't have much in common with anymore because they went to high school together, yep. you know? I, and they have some bond. Yeah, I'm not really like that. I'm a bit like a shark. <laughs> 
I'm a friendship shark. Yeah. You just I have to keep moving. Or you no, die. it's not like that. I just don't pick up attachments based on sentimentality. You know, like I think any club or organization, there is a level of history and sentiment that, you know, people want to belong. I, I've never really wanted to belong to yeah. anything. No, I understand that. So, Charlie, you looking forward to the football season? <laughs> I wouldn't... Essentially, but being I, in the Sons of Anarchy is like being like a but I, but, I, but I don't go down to the club at all. Like I don't, it's not like right. I go to the social club. Like There's people where the club yeah. is really part of their life. I like going for a team. When I was a kid, definitely. Like yeah. I used to go to the social club all the time. I, I feel like I've done that part of my life. My association with the team now is purely for a love of AFL. There is a bit of family history and stuff, but that is the choice you make when you follow sport is I'm going to, you know, give wholeheartedly to this team. I mean, honestly... Like, there is no reason I would barrack for the team I did if I honestly, like, if, if I was really giving myself wholeheartedly over to it because I would have killed myself by now. One premiership in 112 years. It's just agony. The fact is, there is 10% of my brain which knows I can eject from this relationship if I need to. So you would barrack for a biker gang, but you wouldn't be part of it? Would you support sure. them? Yeah. Okay, so the Sons of Anarchy, the, the, the premise of this, and it's... Uh, this is quite a widely known fact about the show. It's it's based on Hamlet, or it's got like a Hamlet theme through it. Yeah. So, like basically Hamlet archetypes. Yeah. So, like the 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 main character is the, the gang su- is the empire. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. In yeah. some ways, the that's gang's kind of- the empire. He had a father who was the king of the gang, and he passed away under sort of dubious circumstances. Possibly, you know, in some way connected with his mother. And the person that she then hooked up with. Which is exactly what happens in Hamlet. In Hamlet, exactly. So the young guy, the young blonde guy in Sons of Anarchy, what's his name? Dax or Jax or Flax? Jax. Flax. <laughs> Dax. Flax. He's named that. after the Australian slang for pants. <laughs> <laughs> what will be a biker name that will terrify people? Well, when I was in Australia, I had to wear these things called Dax. And I always found that terrifying. <laughs> stacks of Dax. I wore stacks of Dax. <laughs> Were they were they strict about it? No, they were lax. Um, Jax, short for Jackson. Yeah, is Hamlet. Uh, so he's kind of the Hamlet character, and so it's a little bitty pig, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so they've got a um, that that kind of runs through the the theme of the show. But this they're the original uh, biker gang, uh, like in you know, so so they're called uh, Sam, Sam Crow, um, and sometimes go by the al- alias Sam. Crow. Sam Crow. Right. So, what does that mean? Does that, that does mean something, doesn't it? Sam Crow? No. Is it's, it's a type of beer or beer? No, only in this show. It means okay. Sons of Anarchy. So, that's the SA. Sam Crow. So, the O doesn't count, right? right Sons yeah. of Anarchy. Motorcycle Club. Ah, uh, right, right. Redwood Original. Ah, uh, okay. So, that's the, yeah. you know, that's yeah. what Sam Crow okay. stands for. I get it. But there's like Sons of Anarchy, they've kind of then branched out all over the world. There's like an Irish Sons of Anarchy. So, like the Hells other Angels. gangs, yeah. Uh, and is there actually a Sons of Anarchy gang? In the real world? You know what? I don't think so. But it's like one of those things that like this show is so, like this show is kind of the Sopranos of biker gangs. That you imagine that um, bikers will be kind of modelling themselves on what happened on Sons of Anarchy. That's a true test. I mean, look, you don't know any bikers, I imagine. But do you think bikers could watch that show and go, yeah, we dig this? I think they would love it. Because I think it's the idealised version of In the what... same way Crims watch Underbelly, the yeah. first Underbelly, and go like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. This is heaps glamorous than standing in the cold in a park for ages to stab a dude. 
This makes it look really cool. We should have played modern music as a juxtaposition to what was going on. That would have been, And we I, need tits every five minutes. Yeah. There was nowhere near as many tits, but I wish there had a been. And uh, so, yeah. So, basically, yeah, they formed you know, this motorcycle club. And, you know, you're born into the club and it's all about the club. So, if you go down on behalf of the club, you will serve hard time, you know, for the club and then come back out. And it's so, you like, don't snitch. No, never snitch. Although... Most of the plot lines over the four seasons have oh, to do with someone trying to snitch. It's like one of those shows where the one thing no one in a gang ever does is snitch. Is there anyone left in the cast who hasn't been a snitch at some stage? <laughs> but it, you know, it, it's cool like that. But it kind of made me think that like there is something really comforting about that idea of like you know like believing in something so much that you would go and like you know yeah. Look, when I say I'm a shack. No. I would love to believe in something like that, but I just don't. Uh... It's funny for a guy who's raised Catholic, who barracks for has barracked for the one team his whole life that his family barracked for. It's kind of rich for me to come out and say, "Ah, oh, I don't believe in associations with any organisations," yeah. but it's true. Like I kind of, I mean, I I respect people who do have that. Um, like I've got a bunch of friends who went through Reach, you know, which is Jim Steins's youth show pro, uh, youth show program, youth program. For anyone who doesn't know. Jim Steins is this um, ex-AFL footballer who uh, created this youth group about 15 years ago and the philosophy of it... And also, but like a legendary guy, we should, oh, take, yeah. we should take a moment, like because there will be people hearing this who have no idea who Jim Steins is. And he's worth Googling because genuinely just one of the most amazing stories of a person's life of all time. Came from Ireland, uh, where he used to like, you know, play Gaelic football, over to Australia as one of the original Irish Imports. players to come to Australia. Mm. It didn't work out early on. Fought his way back, ended up doing something really embarrassing. Like one of those, when people talk about one of the most embarrassing, stupid moves in the history of the AFL. Pulling a homer. Then Jim Stein's name comes up. Yeah. You know, ran across the mark, you know, lost them a final. Went on to win the Brownlow medal and be one of the most celebrated AFL footballers of all time. And one of those classic guys who, the big joke about Jim Stein's was, because he played the most consecutive games in a row, and it would be like, Jim Steins died on Tuesday, uh, likely to play on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like, and unfortunately, in his, like, so then when he left football, this like massive football star, instead of like going out and like, you know, taking cocaine and bashing chicks and like, you know, pissing up all your investments and, co- and coaching country footy, he decided to like start this, you know, youth group, youth group yeah. to, to help young people in their lives. And the great philosophy about it is it's not based on like any socioeconomic uh, position or any like religious association. It's essentially a group for any young person who wants to just come and hang out with other young people and just, you know, do stuff. Like they put on plays, they have sporting events. Like it's just a, a social network for kids that is all about, it's not, nothing to do necessarily with drinking or drugs. Or It's a way kids can socialise in a really kind of positive way. And yeah. it is being really successful. And I know a bunch of people who have graduated through that program. And these people have gone on, like Jesse Martin, you know, sailed around the world solo when he was 16. Um, uh, Jules Lund, who's like a massive TV star yeah. in Australia, like he talks often about the fact that he was having a pretty rough time when he was a teenager and that Reach kind of, you know... Yeah, Sam Kavanagh, who produces Hamish and Andy. Yeah. And all these guys, I mean, and without like exception, they're all like really remarkable, amazing, interesting, confident kind of people to talk to. Guys Whereas and- none of the people who've graduated from my Reach Around... <laughs> Our program have ever gone on to do anything except lay charges. <laughs> Ungrateful. <laughs> Will Anderson's reach around program. 
<laughs> but those guys, um, they are very passionate about reach and they have an association. Like they still go back now and they'll do workshops with kids and stuff. And I mean, I met Jim Steins a couple of times through these guys and he's a really charismatic guy. Like, yeah. I mean, he sort of challenges, challenges you straight away to say, you know, what do you want to do? And if you want to help people, then, you know, come work with us. It's like, he's amazing, very charismatic. But those guys have come away with such a great, like a binding experience. You know, they really did something that was positive, that they're very proud of being like, you know, talking about reach. And you don't often sort of find that these days, especially when you talk about like youth groups. It's like one of those things where you, you know, like eventually, no matter how good something sounds, there'll be some 60 minute special. Yeah. On all the like people who are just like, you know, my horrible time at reach yeah. around the Will Addison program. <laughs> did you, did you but s- there's never like, you know, it's always been one of those things. And I think because it's not assigned to any other agenda, yeah. like they're not going, well, now that we've got you here and we've turned your life around, how would you like to buy these 17 magazines about Scientology? <laughs> exactly. Like it, it completely is uh, without condition. And if you really want to know more about it, there's a great documentary called Every Heart Beats True, which is... Um, a documentary about Jim Steins has been battling cancer for the yep. last few years. And Jules Lund, who is one of the kids who came through the program and one of his best friends, made this documentary. And um, you find out a lot about Reach in watching it. And there's one amazing scene because Jim keeps getting delivered very bad news. Like it's not just one tumour, it's three tumours, it's in his head. And never once do you see him take a backward step. Like it is so... I mean, I watch a, a, a documentary like that and think, if that was me... I would be in the corner crying, blaming everyone else. <laughs> like, like I just, I, I, I just would not have the kind of courage and, and modesty that this guy has. Like, and you, and it radiates off every single person that's in his life. And there's one amazing scene where he goes back when he gets given some pretty bad news and he's told that it's terminal, and he goes back to reach and uh, he gets all like old uh, members and, and and kids who are in the group now and they stand in a circle and. He gets in the middle of the circle and he starts turning around and looking at everyone and you see him start crying and then he looks at someone else, he starts laughing and crying and laughing and at the end he says, I look around this room and um, these are the faces I want to see if I have to die. And he says it with such kind of honesty, like, Jeremy and I watched it, we started bawling. Yeah. But it is the most inspirational documentary. Like, if you think that you have problems and you've got no way of overcoming them and you watch this guy, it's just, I can't rate it highly enough. It's amazing. And uh, that even the title, Every Heart Beats True, which is a line from the Melbourne Football Club, which is who he played for and president of the club, um, that's a line from their theme song. But it's, I love when you hear a line from a theme song out of context just used as a line or a mission statement. Yeah. Like when Collingwood... One, yeah, I'm sorry to bring this up. But when <laughs> Collingwood won the grand final, their whole thing was, their motto was side by side, which yeah. is, again, a line from their song. But they used it in this attitude of, like, that we all, like, you know, went together side by side. And yeah. it, it reminds me of Friday Night Lights because the... Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in Friday Night Lights, the big thing is, yeah, clear clear hearts, full eyes... Uh, uh, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Right. And, and it does... Every moment you hear somebody say, yeah... Uh, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose, or every heart beats true, or side by side. You just sit there going, I can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a good tagline. I am wasting my time sitting around in Charlie's front room, <laughs> drinking booze and talking shit. I should be changing the world like Jim Steins. Yeah, totally. And i got to say, like, if you think you won't like it because you're not into football, football 
has a very small part to do with it. It's more about gym and you know this organization. It's it's it's. What if you think you don't like it because you're not into brain tumors? Uh, yeah, well, if you're not into brain tumors, you may find a few scenes very disturbing. But uh, there's a scene where he drinks piss. Oh yeah, he drinks his own piss. Mm-hmm. His own piss, right? Yeah. Does that make it better or worse? Well, it's meant to be your own piss because aren't you? I don't know what the I think philosophy other is. people's piss is, is, is bad poisonous. You. Yeah, yeah. The whole point is drinking yep. your own pisses because you're replacing whatever. Yeah. That you it's been in you. Get whatever. it back in you. Yeah, but he does he do it? I think he got to do it fresh. What? Oh, you have to like, ice blocks is there a scene in this moving documentary where Jim Stone weighs in his own mouth? Because it's, it's pretty like it's it's something like that. Like you literally you see him go through the whole process, and yeah. I think he gives himself an enema at one stage too. Right. I might be making that up. Maybe I just dreamt. <laughs> Charlie that night went to bed and went, remember that bit where he gave himself some enema? And Gemma's like, that was not in the documentary. <laughs> and when I woke up, <laughs> Junior was cutting eye. I've got no ever that joke to go. Um, so if you thought that, I, when if you got really sick, right? do you think you would be a person who would go for very traditional medicine? Or do you think, because he... I think part of the Jim Stein story is that he's like, you know... He's trying everything. He's trying everything. Yeah. Do you think you'd be a try everything or would you just be like, well, the doctors say this is the thing to do? I'm kind of lazy. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever's easiest. Like Charlie's like, have you ever well, got- these guys in the white coats seem to know what they're doing. Well, have you ever got a second opinion? Medically? I don't think I have, no. Neither have I. So, <laughs> like, all it takes is one doctor to say to me, you're dying. I'm like, all right. I have one. Doctor says I'm dying. Gemma's like, you've been on that couch for six weeks. I'm pretty sure you're not dying. No. I once went to another doctor because one of them wouldn't give me Valium. Does that count as a second opinion? Uh, like if you go, addict, yeah. <laughs> if you go into a doctor and say, cousins, yeah. I need some Valium. And they say, no, we can't give you Valium. And so I go to another doctor to get Valium. That is technically a second opinion. Yeah. Because I didn't trust the first opinion. So yes, I have, Charlie. Well, it depends. In the first instance, did the doctor say, in my opinion, you don't need Valium? <laughs> Well, that was the gist of what they were saying to me, definitely. <laughs> I um, didn't know you could do that because I, I never have gotten sleeping pills because I keep getting turned down. Like doctors or the doctors I have gone to, and I go very rarely, are always like, oh, I'll just burn some incense or some shit. Well, two things. Firstly, um, I only ever get sleeping pills. Like I'm, I literally don't get them for any other reason than I sleep fine. Um, I don't get sleeping pills for any other reason than to fly, like when I'm going to have a that's, that's the common one, right? Yeah. So normally when you go into the doctor and just say, I'm flying tomorrow, they're pretty cool with, you know, giving you sleeping pills. Mm. But on one of them, I didn't want sleeping pills. I wanted Valium because I can sleep on Valium, but it doesn't give me the, um, you know, sort of hangovery sort of, and I had an early meeting. So I wanted to get some plane, sleep on the plane. And then I wanted to be able to go to my meeting. So I've only had Valium once. Yeah. It's like, um, it's a, is it a muscle relaxant and a, a sleeping pill? It's like a relaxant. Of right. some kind, like it just basically. But it takes the deal because I've had. Um, you can I've have, had you can have Valium I've and had, not uh, go to sleep. It's not like a knockout Xanax, you know? right? Yeah, uh, they're ten milligram ones when yeah. I've gone flying. Yeah, um, but they are. But what are they? They're a muscle relaxant. It doesn't know. actually de-stress you. Whereas when I had Valium one time, it, I felt like it took away my stress as well. Oh it? yeah, Valium, like it's like getting stoned in a pill. Yeah. Like, but it doesn't, nece- you know, in the same way as like smoking weed doesn't necessarily make you sleepy. Mm-hmm. Like you can use weed to sleep, but you could also, you oh, know. I thought there's something more in it because I've had muscle relaxants where I can understand principally what it's meant to do, but it's never taken me out. Whereas I felt with Valium, I was like, 
Oh, like everything was just like zoom, yeah. powering down. Well, Amy and I used to take a lot of our cats failing. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Heaps. <laughs> this is insane. So, well, you know what? You owe them that expensive butcher food because <laughs> Valium is not cheap. If you're taking their Valium, you should be buying them fucking prime rib. I'm saying you guys have no reason <laughs> to get stressed. I bought this food at the butcher. <laughs> what are you stressed about? We princess? massage you all the fucking time. You sleep anywhere you want. Yeah. You don't have to make money. You piss on the floor. And after seven years, you still piss on the floor. And I just cleaned that up without complaint. Give me some fucking Valium, bitch. <laughs> Eat your fucking steak tart hair. Seriously. Finish your filet mignon and let me fucking take your drugs. Oh, well. <coughs> this is terrible. And I wanted this wine... Chill, this is room temperature. <laughs> Throw it in your face. <laughs> this is white wine. <laughs> How can I drink white wine at room temperature? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we take their Valium. We used to take their Valium all the time when they used to have heaps of Valium. You have to take more because it's catty, cat, cat Valium? It's not cat Valium. Oh, it's, it's human it's Valium, human valium in smaller it doses right. for cats. So it's cat-sized Valium, but it's the same It's the same shit. But it's not the same dosage, so you'd have to take a couple. Yeah, so, so how did you work off. out what the right dosage was? <laughs> Let me guess. Amy said, Will, I eat these. I want to see what happens. <laughs> you're like, all right. Um, she put them into a can of Pringles. <laughs> I figured that I was able to, at least without like you know, anything going seriously wrong, take at least five times more than the cat could. Five? Well, at least five. Well, okay. The cat the weighs cat what? What does the cat weigh? Six, five kilos, six kilos. So okay. five, yeah. So our cats, but is it, I wish our cats weighed five or six kilos. You, know, you work it out by body weight? Yeah. Because it's a per... Oh, you know, it's a, yeah, right. Yeah, it's a drug. So you're administering it per body oh weight. Oh, my God. This is, we're going straight into TOEFOP. Medical TOEFOP facts. Yeah. So... <laughs> you uh, can take as many drugs as you like based on body weight proportion. What I'm saying is test drugs on your cat <laughs> and then work out What's... per percentage of your body weight to Okay, so let's say weight. a cat's five kilos. Yeah. And you're, let's say they're eight kilos. And you're, what, 80, 85 kilos? Yeah, yeah. okay. Okay. So, so let's say ten times, like ten or twelve times, just to be just to be easy. Let's say ten times. Okay. I reckon I could take ten times what the cat could take. Invalid. If me and the cat went out on a night together, I would need to take ten times as many of the drugs we got. Like I'd pay for it. I wouldn't say we have to go fifty fifty and then take ten times what the cat you know, paid for. But the two of us out on a town. Like he's got to take it easy. The cat always get really nervous going yeah. to clubs with you because it's like, fuck, Will is always holding like heaps if we get fucking pulled if over. If we get pulled over, we're going to get done for dealing. Because <laughs> yeah, Will has to fake, take fucking 12 of my Valium. Yeah, I'm fine in a human club, but in a cat club, I'm way over the limit. So uh, <laughs> I have to avoid all cat clubs. It's nothing funnier than a stone cat. Like when you give a cat Valium, because cats already... like Pretty imagine, relaxed. Okay, but also... Giving, it's like giving Stephen Wright a bong. Yeah. Imagine if you are high and then what you're going to do when you're high is sit on a couch and someone is going to stroke you and you are going to lick yourself. <laughs> like that is the perfect night out. Yeah, and definitely. that's what cats get to do when you give them drugs. Yep. But with Valium. Yep. Do you ever blow like pot in their face or anything like that? I'm not on purpose. It's bad. But just living at my house, I imagine that by accident they're sucking some in. Well, I may have told this story before, but it's worth it. They're always you. hungry. What? The cats. Yeah, but always. Because you think they're stoned. Maybe. Well, I may, like, I may have told this story before. If I have, it's worth telling again because there's an amendum to it. Is that the word? Amendum? When you add no, something? Amendum. Amendum. Oh, whatever. That was one vowel wrong. 
Um, Junior once ate weed. We've told, talked about this before. Right. So and when um, Junior ate this weed, it wasn't my weed. We were actually out working somewhere. Junior ate something. He started acting all all kind of woozy and stuff. He knows better than to eat your weed. <laughs> you provide for him. Well, here's the thing. Junior doesn't, he's not one of those dogs who just eats anything. Like yeah. he eats food. He'll sniff something, make sure it's a food substance before he eats. He doesn't eat shoes, doesn't eat fucking grass, whatever. Yeah. So we think that someone fed him like a hash cookie or oh, maybe right. blue smoke in his face. Okay. Because well, where we were working, there were some dudes, like some, <laughs> I was going to say some tradies. They weren't tradies. They were just some guys doing some, like road work or whatever. Yeah. But there's also a methadone clinic not far as well. So someone could have just thrown out an old paper cup with methadone and maybe licked out what was in the cup. Really? Well, this is the theory the doctor came up with. He's on methadone. Well, dog's on methadone. Because he started acting all woozy. He was getting all like <laughs> floppy and, and, and we thought... Um, Junior's down at local corner barking at people for train fares. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly Junior's wearing tracksuit pants when I come over for no reason. <laughs> Starts giving blowjobs to other dogs in public <laughs> toilets. <laughs> I just need my hit, man. Got some crack, got some blow, I suck your dick. <laughs> Junior in the hood. Uh, no, so he he was acting all woozy. We took him to the vet. The vet made him vomit, couldn't find anything in his guts. Thought it might have been rat poison because he was, wasn't responding. Then we took him to the hospital. They observed him overnight. Came good. The doctor said, look, we couldn't find anything in his blood work or anything that was very uh, specific, but he had the symptoms of a dog that was had come into contact with marijuana. Yeah. Gemma's immediately looked at me and I was like, he wouldn't have eaten my dope. Like, yeah. But also, good on her for really sticking up for you. <laughs> she can't be your old lady Sons of Anarchy style because no. she, she is just, just sold me out. She uh, sang like a bird. Yeah. We found all these guns and hookers. Straight <laughs> at you. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, so the doc was saying, look, you know, I see this all the time where people uh, blow smoke in their dog's faces and, um, you know, they think it's really funny, but the dog gets really sick. And he's gone, what people don't realize is that, you know, their brain chemistry is set up differently to humans and that THC or, or, or secondhand pot smoke can do brain damage to a dog. Yeah, right. So... I was talking to our friend Peter, who's a doctor and a very... They're, they're, they're running for like a stick and they come back and they're like, I've got no idea what I was running for. <laughs> Can you remind me? What did you throw? I went out there and I got distracted by something shiny. All of a sudden he's wearing a Rastafarian beanie. <laughs> uh, so I was talking to our friend Peter, who's a doctor and a very learned fellow, and I was telling him that story and I was saying... Um, yeah, apparently the, the, the dope can do like permanent damage. And he was like, what? And I was like, well, you know, that makes sense. Dogs are wired differently. He's gone, oh, yeah, but they've done extensive searches, uh, extensive research with marijuana. No one has ever died ODing on marijuana. Hmm. And the worst you can do is... How that guy did uh, die, man? He ate so much <laughs> weed. <laughs> the, worst, the worst that can happen is you go into a deep coma. Yeah. But then you'll come out of that coma. And he said, look, you know, there's... And so relaxed... <laughs> There's associations with like schizophrenia and stuff that they haven't that they make inclusive discoveries on. But I was just like, holy shit, man. Is it possible that God has created a plant <laughs> for us which can make you feel so happy and make movies so much more interesting and food so much more tasty and you can have as much of it you want and it won't poison you? Ma'am, if you live in California, it's not even against the law. It's medicine that you can get to the doctor. It Daddy would be, needs his medicine. It would be easier. Daddy needs his medicine. It would be easier for me, Charlie, to go into 
a, a doctor in America and get marijuana than it would be for me to get Valium. That's insane. It's legal. It's a medicine. It's Somewhere has decided it's a medicine, and I think it's outrageous that the rest of the world is denying me medicine. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. think about that. Like, I legally got a medical marijuana card. I've spoken about that before, so I don't... And it was... But you have a genuine like, medical need for it. Though. Exactly. Like, uh, when I went to the doctor with my x-rays, he literally almost gave me a hug because he was just so relieved that somebody wasn't lying. <laughs> <laughs> because everybody else comes in... Uh, like, Tennis elbow. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of people with what's the one of the eyes no, it's no always sure. about something oh, about glaucoma yeah glaucoma he sees a lot of people with glaucoma every day <clears throat> people are just sticking like porridge in their eyes <laughs> and coming in going can I please have some weed and he said to me because I yeah just went in with my x-rays and quite often people when they see the card they're always like oh what lie did you tell and I'm like I don't know I actually legally qualify for this like the illness that I have osteoarthritis that is one of the things that medicinal marijuana is is useful. So, really, it's outrageous that in my own country, Charlie, I can't get the medicine that I need. Where's my medicine, government? Where's my medicine? Have you seen this in video online of uh, Mitt Romney getting confronted by a guy? Uh, it's kind of wheelchair. He's suffering from some kind of disease. I can't remember what it is. Um, but he's saying to Mitt Romney, hey, you know, I suffer from this disease. Uh, I'm in constant pain. Um, marijuana is the one drug that makes me feel better. If I uh, am taking marijuana, will you put me and my doctor in jail? And Mitt Romney's like, well, have you tried like the, the synthetic? And he's like, yes, I have. Makes me nauseous. Will you put me in jail? And all Mitt Romney says is, well, I'm, I'm not in favor of medical marijuana. And keeps, like he does a great little sort of politicians move on. But it's actually quite a confront. So essentially you're saying Mitt Romney runs away from a guy in a wheelchair. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, yeah, that right. way he gets hustled away from a guy in a wheelchair. They're but- like, quick, up some steps. <laughs> People in wheelchairs and Daleks. <laughs> Pretty sure. Unless it's the latest series of Doctor Who. Yeah. They have a contingency plan for people in wheelchairs and post 1980s yeah. Daleks. Mitt Romney, I have a question. I suffer from chronic pain. <laughs> If my doctor prescribes medical marijuana, will you put me in jail? <laughs> He's really paranoid about going to the doctor in case it's the doctor. <laughs> doctor! <laughs> it's like, oh God, it's the Dalek again. Doctor! I still can't sleep. I have glaucoma. You don't have eyes. I have one eye. <laughs> Stoner Dalek. No. That's my new favorite fucking uh, Adam Sandler film. No, that could be like I reckon that Stoner Dalek's not a Adam Sandler film. Stoner Dalek's like a um, it's like Robot a chicken. Yeah, exactly. It's totally like some sort of stop motion or like <laughs> animation sort of series. I would love to be so rich that um, Gina Reinhart, who's a, an Australian uh, mining magnate, mm. um, there's predictions that she will soon be the richest person in the world. Even richer than, like, you know, your Bill Gates and all those sort of Zuckerbergs. Yeah. Yeah, right. So um, they were talking about, you know, how much money it actually was. And it was, it's so much money that basically whatever you could think of, you could do. Like, there's literally nothing that with the amount of money, you know, well, nothing... The, yeah, the human imagination you could think of that you couldn't really put together. 
if I got that rich, the first thing I would do is go back and like using sort of George Lucas-esque technology or like, you know, I'll get James Cameron and George Lucas in a room and I'll say, boys, this is what I want. They're looking at their watches, you dump 10 million down. Yeah. They're still looking at their watches, you dump 20 million down. Still looking at their watches, 300 million. And I think an eyebrow raise. And ironically, at the rate she's earning money, I'm still making a profit because by the time <laughs> it takes me to throw down that money, I've earned more than that money. Interest on the money that you drew the account from the account you drew yeah. it from. So I said, guys, this is, I'm going to d- donate the rest of my money to the world. I'm going to try to, you know, cure disease and, you know, cure poverty. But I have this one kind of selfish thing that I want to do. I would like you guys to go back and remake every single movie that stars Brad Pitt with a Dalek <laughs> instead of Brad Pitt. And they would go back and make and re-release every film that Brad Pitt has ever done, but with a Dalek instead of Brad Pitt. Yeah. What do you think would be the most... most um, like what one would Downloaded do the best, film. What one would do the best box office? Out of all Brad Pitt's films, which one would well, you most a, like to see him replaced Dalek. by a Dalek? Uh, um, I think maybe seven. Because at the end, it would be like, what's in the box? What's in the box? Because that's almost like a Dalek S. Because you know the Daleks lose their cool pretty quick and they, get, they start threatening people. What's in the box? For me, it'd be Fight Club. Oh, uh, yeah. Because I just love the idea that the whole way through, Edward Norton's like, other personality is a Dalek. <laughs> That scene with them punching on in the car park, you're just seeing like throwing punches at the fucking dark. Dunk, dunk, dunk. The first rule of Fight Club is exterminate! <laughs> um, so you'd never join a gang. So if, if some bikies came to you and said, okay, Charlie, yeah, we've got this gang. We've just started here near, near your house. We think you're a cool guy. You can come down and be part of our, like, you know, bikey gang. Uh, first thing you have to do to be part of the gang is you have to get a giant tattoo of the gang's logo all over your back. What's the gang called? Uh, the Harry Ball, Ball Sacks. It's called Stick Something In Here. And when it's tattooed on your back... The here stops right above your anus. <laughs> no. Um, I don't know. They're like a local... They're, they're well, it's, like, it's like a boxing kangaroo or something. Oh, yeah. They're a local... They're an Australian sort of yeah. gang. So, like, the the angry wombats. <laughs> they're called the angry wombats. Well, I've got the right hands yeah. for them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the angry wombats. Okay. Mm. And they're, so, the, the, the what's the tattoo? It's like a wombat wearing a slouch hat and a fucking leather... Best. And smoking a cigarette. Smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Okay. It's a wombat smoking a cigarette. Okay, wombat smoking a cigarette. Yeah. The angry wombats. Yeah. Uh, what's my first task? Uh, well, you have to get a tattoo of the angry wombat oh, that's first. What, that's well, the first thing you have to do. Is it a cool tattoo? No. Does it look like the cover of, like, out of sight Vegemite? <laughs> no, no. It's like, it's cool. You're in a bike again. All right. Uh, I'm taking up my whole back. Batista style. Your entire back, yep. Well, hang on. I've got to find out what else I'm going to get in return for this before I decide it. Why am I joining this gang? Because they're bikies. They're cool. So I get to... I don't have to worry about a job anymore. I just ride around. You never have to worry about a job again? Just see strip shows, deal drugs. All you do is deal drugs and sell guns and get into fights and have sex with women. Okay. I don't like fighting. You don't play by the rules. You get to ride motorbikes. And you Uh, never have to worry again. About anything, because your brothers are there. But I have to... All right, well, the thing... Before we get to the tattoo, 
the violence part. I'm not very good at fighting. Like, I'd really need to. All right, let's let's run through it like this. I've come to you. Yeah, I've started a bike again. It's yeah. not me. I'm some tougher guy than me. Yeah, and I'm angry, angry wombats. Yeah, I've said to you, hey Charlie, we'd really like. You. We're hearing some great word about well, you. I, no, let's do it. Be be the bikey guy. Right. So um, you don't have to do a voice. Just... No, I don't. <laughs> so Charlie, yeah. Uh, we've heard great things about you. We've just started a uh, local uh, underground bikey club, and uh, we'd really like to be you, you to be part of the organisation. Would you be interested in that? Uh, what's involved? Well, um, like a lot of it's riding motorbikes. Uh, then it'll be, uh, I'd say, another thirty or forty percent of it. Um, we'll be just hanging out at the clubhouse. Yep. Uh, some of that would be involving drinking. Yeah. Uh, some of that would be involving fornicating uh, with hot women. Yeah. Uh, and some of that would be involving fighting. There'd be some fighting. Okay. And um, do I have to be any good at the fighting? No. Are there bigger blokes who can back me up and shit? Yeah, definitely. That's the thing. Part of being a biker club, you'll always be backed up. You're okay. smart mouse will always be backed up forevermore. If someone doesn't laugh at one of your little jokes, we'll smash a pool uh, pool cue and we'll stab his eyes out. That's okay. how it works. All right. So it's not like I have to fight on my own. No, you can be comic relief. In fact, that's what we want you for. More comic <laughs> relief. We we feel like we've got a lot of guys who can kill people and sell guns, but we don't. what we don't feel like is we have a vibe we've around got a lot the club. Of, we've got a lot of one percenters. Yeah. We don't have very many 93 percenters. We need some people, person, people. You know, just to kind of do a bit of PR. We like your videos you've done for corporations and stuff. We've we've been very impressed by that. We want to get an online presence, a Twitter okay. account, you know, that sort of thing. Sure. Um, we will be selling some guns. We will be selling some drugs. It might be dangerous. Um, if It's you, all illegal, I'm taking it. Not all. Okay. But, you know, a, a good it. percentage of it. Yeah. Most of the fun stuff is illegal. Okay. But um, you'll never have to worry about money again. Okay. It'll be great. So Fantastic. rent's paid for. Yep. All right. Brilliant. Yep. Uh, is that it? That's, that's it. Your that's your offer. What, yeah, any questions? Um, well, I've heard some stories about biking clubs that, uh, for instance, you've got like initiation rituals and um, stuff like that. Like, do I have to kill anyone or rape anyone or steal something to join or am I just in automatically? Uh, no, we'd like you to kill someone. Like, there's different levels. So, like, early on, you can join. Like, all that involves is getting a keychain on your case. But... <laughs> So that and my membership to Cuba. <laughs> and you got to sign up for 12 months minimum. And we are going to deduct from your credit card every month until you come in and say that you're not involved anymore. Okay, but I have to kill someone. You don't have to kill someone up front. But after a while, if you want to graduate to the next level, then you're going to have to kill someone. So just, can I just, if I just am at the moderate level... Where I don't kill anyone, can I still like get all the other benefits? Where I'm at the clubhouse and shit, I can just hang out and stuff. Yeah, you can definitely hang out at that. What's the point of advancing? What's the? How does that benefit me? Well, like your power within the organisation. Like one day you could run this club. I'm not very good. Like I couldn't run a club. Right. So no ambition. I'm on one. Well, we're looking for guys like you too. <laughs> because to be honest, in a biker gang, if there are a lot of ambitious guys around, I've got to watch my back a I lot just more. Don't want so to... I'm happy to have you on board. No. As well, a I can be. Your, I'll be. I'll be your two-faced snitch. <laughs> I'll fucking hang out with the guys, find out what they're thinking and come back and report to you. Charlie, you've seen right to the heart of this offer. <laughs> we actually approached you to be a two-faced snitch, but I just thought I would introduce that, but you've seen right to what I wanted. So basically I'm looking for a guy to hang out with, guy I can have some fun with, guy who everyone trusts, and you can filter a little bit of information back to me. Are you in? What's, uh, what would happen if the guys found out that I was talking to you behind their backs? Well, we'd have to take that to table. Where we all vote on every decision that the club makes. Yeah, but wouldn't you also be in trouble? No, I'm I'm the boss. 
Well, so I'm sorted then. No one can fucking kick up a fuss if I'm if I'm your little spy. It doesn't work like that. It's a democracy. I can predict you as much as I want. Right, you but can if, vouch for me, but if there's but if they find out, against one. then it comes to council, and we have a democratic process where everyone at the table will vote on whether you can stay in the club or what we have to do with you. And if they overrule me, then you know. How much? How offended do you think they would be by me being your snitch? Is that like a grievous error in the bikey world? To what be... sort of stuff have you told me? Uh, that so and so has been skimming a bit off the the drugs he's been selling. Ah, that's kind of expected. We're bikies. Um, that one of them wants to shag your old lady. Oh, I tell you that. Yeah, you can't shag. You can't shag another bikey's old lady. That's part of the right. The so, rules of the yeah, club. so okay, so that would be something you'd be interested in me telling you though. In Sons of Anarchy, that is literally one of the rules. You oh, can't shag. Are we out of character? Yeah, we're, out of, we're, we're, we're out of character for a second. Um, we just, we've got to warm down. Okay, so, Sons of Anarchy. That is one of the rules. You're not allowed to shag another member's old lady. Except there's a clause. What is the clause on when you're allowed to shag another person's old lady? If they're shagged, your old lady? No. No, it's not a shag for a shag. <laughs> um... um if that person is in jail. Yeah. Okay. There's the prison clause. So as long as your mate's in prison. Which wasn't as successful as the Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, although didn't... Tim Allen would have had more practical experience to bring to the role. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if the, the, like the fourth sequel to the Santa Claus, Tim Allen's gone, look, I did some time in prison and I've got this thing called the prison clause. I think it'll be a gritty reboot way we can go. Have you seen his mug shot from when he was busted? Because it was a cocaine deal or something, right? That is the most guilty-looking mug shot, even if he had nothing to do with the, the deal that went down. If I was the cop who took that photograph, I was like, oh, this guy's guilty, because <laughs> he looks like, oh, man. But the thing about Tim Allen is he's, he's quite an over-actor. <laughs> so no matter what, they go, look guilty, and he'll give you the guiltiest look you've ever seen in your life. Give us the look where your wife busted you spending too much time down at the local hardware store. Oh, there it is. Did you see there's a photo uh, a while back now, um, that guy from the social network, Army Hammer, who played the twins, the Winklevoss twins, he got busted for pot. Recently. Is his name Army Hammer? Is he named after Armand Hammer, the, like, you know, what? bicarbonate soda or whatever it is? Armand yeah, Hammer. Yeah, there's a really famous, like, you know, thing called Armand Hammer. No. Surely if you call your kid Army Hammer, that's got a... Armand Hammer. What is Arm short for? Armand? Yeah, maybe his name's Armand. Armand Hammer. Arm and Hammer. Arm, what's, no, what's the uh, name of the symbol that means and? Ampersand. Yeah. <laughs> his name is Ampersand Hammer. Yeah. <laughs> he got busted for pot. Yeah. In the same, there's a little town in Texas. It's at like population 11,000, and they busted Willie Nelson, Army Hammer. And, and Snoop. Well, Snoop Dogg, but I mean, if you can't... And he wasn't even in town. He was like 10,000 miles away from there. And the dog still bust. If you can't bust Snoop Dogg for yeah. pot in your state, then you're not at law enforcement. I would imagine that even if Snoop doesn't have pot on him, he's got so much pot in him that like he would show up on any test anyway. Yeah. Like Snoop's got to be at least 70% weed. Would it be amazing if it came out that he wasn't, that it was all an act? Like he's smoking like Indonesian tobacco or something. Oh, the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Smoking yeah. clothes. Yeah. Yeah. He got off the weed, but he's like, this is my selling point. Yeah. When you see him behind closed doors, he's actually like a Rhodes Scholar. Yeah. <laughs> Speaks the Queen's English. He's like a real champion for like women's rights. 
is in real life he's an anti-drug campaigner who's a champion for women's rights. Uh, so yeah, this sta- this town that busted Snoop Dogg and yep. Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson also is not that hard to bust, really. Yep. Um, they busted Army, and his mugshot is like one of the most relaxed kind of like, hey, you know, he's wearing a polo shirt, he's got the collar popped, yeah, and it's like, yeah. And then I read about his family. He actually comes from like hugely wealthy like landowners or something. Like he is essentially one of the Winkle bosses. Yeah. He's like really rich. And you can see in that photo, as much as Tim Allen looked like, oh, fuck, I'm guilty, his expression says, this isn't going to stick. What can you do? <laughs> I have what? so You much people money. can't touch me. Yeah. I'm fine. Do you know how rich my family is? A. I can hire a guy. I can hire the CGI that made me into twins in a movie, and that imaginary twin will serve my time. <laughs> It is the look of it is the look of utter privilege. Yeah. It's like, what is this? You know what it is? It's it's like he finds it quaint. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's in a not. police station, I've heard about it. I've seen these on the television. I haven't been arrested yet. Yeah. Oh. This is a fun one. Do I get to put my finger in the ink? Oh no, you've oh. got computers now? Oh, oh this brilliant. is interesting. This is brilliant. It's like Army, this is quite serious charges. You're found in possession of three pot brownies and a yeah. and a, and a pot cookie and he's like oh, it's, I don't think you know how rich I am. <laughs> what would you like my photo to look like? Yeah. Do you want me to sign some 10 by 8s for you? And then cut to him a week later, like dining out at the Hilton. You know, he's got the penthouse uh, suite at the Hilton and he's dining with friends and he's telling his hilarious story about how once he was arrested. I was once arrested, you know. (laughs) Because there must be something to that because there are people who get arrested who don't just get out and like have a happy mugshot. Like money must make a huge... If you can bail out someone at any kind of price, that must make it easier or more tempting to do the wrong thing. (laughs) Knowing that you won't stay in jail that long. I mean, look at fucking Paris Hilton or Lindsay Lohan. I mean, it's not a coincidence that they happen to be kind of celebrities and and wealthy, is it? That they're doing such lenient kind of prison sentences? Well, part of the reason they give people lenient prison sentences in America is that they have more people who they think should be in prison than they have prisons. So quite often what happens with your Lindsay Lowens or Paris Hilton's or whatever, when they're convicted, even if they're convicted of like three months or six months, they spend like a week there and then they're like, we don't really have room. Like we have guys who kill people and we've got to lock them up somewhere. I'm sorry that you took cocaine, but we don't have room for you. You have your own house. In fact, you have eight bedrooms at your own house. Could you please take some of these murderers home with you? You can adopt them. It is fine. Um, apparently she's like Paris Hilton's a massive pot smoker like a massive stoner like I was talking to a friend of mine who went to a party at her house and he said he actually used the term she smokes heroic amounts of pot (laughs) (laughs) it's a noble pursuit well there's those famous photos so essentially she's very famous for two things that you do inhaling from the lips there was a famous photo of her in one of the gossip mags and it was um, a paparazzi shop where her purse was open she was getting money out to pay a valet or something and there was a huge bag of weed like in her purse so she's obviously the kind of person who could walk down the street with like a quarter of an ounce in her purse and not worry you know about being pulled over or because pot smells and they have sniffer dogs on the street maybe she has uh, glaucoma I mean, she does have a wonky eye. Maybe that's glaucoma. I forgot. She's in California, so they're probably... But you can't walk down the street with a bag of weed, if you, even if you have a license for it. Yes, you can. You just can't smoke it. Right. So if you have a medical marijuana license, because you could be going on your way from the dispensary to your house, you're just not allowed to smoke it in public. Right. But 
Hypothetically. You can smoke it in your own house or at a friend's what house. Would, what would happen if, uh, just say you were stopped, you are walking down the street, you got stopped, they had they found weed on you, like yep. joints, but you had your card, but they felt that you were like um, drunk and disorderly or under the influence or something like that. You know how the cops can drag you in if you, were, if you seem so wasted. Yep. If they dragged you in and then tested you and you were high, could they do anything about it? I don't think that? so, because you, you're medically allowed to be taking those drugs. And as long as they didn't catch you yeah, doing suppose, it in public... If someone takes like prescription drugs and they're fucked up on like, yep. uh, like a Vicodin or Valium or something Whatever. like that, you can't get no. charged with that. As long as you, the prescription is yours. Right. And that's what the whole medical marijuana license is about. They have a number on it where the police can take your license and ring your doctor... And they will confirm, you know. So there must be the a heap of like um, falsified medical marijuana cards. You think? <laughs> like you go to Venice Beach and there's like literally just shops with doctors who look like Doogie Howser going, I can give you a license. But is it is it that easy to get it that it's not worth falsifying or creating fake IDs? I would have thought so. I would have thought it's easy enough for everyone to... And there must be some kind of... Uh, rule where if you're an ex-con who maybe was in jail for drug offences where you can't apply for medical marijuana card, so you, then you'd need a fake one. I guess so, but no, no, I wouldn't have thought so. I would have thought that if you're like, if you have the symptoms, then it doesn't matter whether you've been in prison or not. I think no. Well, I, I don't know. I, I'd, be but happy, I would, I'd be happier that my uh, mass murderer uh, was <laughs> sitting at home being stoned watching TV than was like angry and edgy and not sleeping and was out on the street looking for revenge. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing you want to do more to a mass murderer or a serial killer than demotivate, demotivate them. Yeah, yeah. You know, like... They should be prescribed yeah. medical marijuana. To as soon fucking... as you fit, yeah, as soon as you get them in there, get them on the bongs. I don't know if, if your killer was a schizophrenic. Okay, <laughs> well, that's, sure. that's gonna that's gonna exacerbate the problem. Yeah. But like for every for one in every ten that's a schizophrenic, you're going to be placating yeah. like nine, nine out of others. ten who just get bored and stay at home and eat food instead of killing people. <laughs> I was going to go out and eat a person, but now I just ordered some takeaway. Have you heard of the chemtrails? Uh... Conspiracy? Have we talked about this before? Fuck, no, I genuinely don't know. What is it? I've got some friends who believe in uh, the chemtrails conspiracy, which is if you see planes flying overhead, sometimes you'll see like a, a vapor trail behind them, like yep. a transparent kind of trail. Yep. Um, there are people who believe that those vapor trails are government planes. It's mainly in the States, not so much here. Yeah. But there's people who believe that the government... Because here we don't believe our government is capable of organising anything. <laughs> like even stuff they're meant to organise that yeah, is out in the open, it. they can't get right. No way. So how are they nailing that fucking chemtrail shit without anybody finding out? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, most of the people, who my friends who believe in it, have lived in the States. Yeah. And it's very popular over there. And the idea is that the government is um, uh, flying these planes over that are releasing chemicals that are doing... Like the extreme end of what they're doing is mind control. That they're somehow dragging the nation to be, you know, uh, more subservient. The more kind of vaguely rational thing is that they're doing weather experiments, secret weather experiments, which is true because they have been trying stuff like that in Iraq, for instance, like or places where it doesn't rain. Is yep. they try and create weather? They see clouds and stuff. That's not. Yeah, a, that's not like. Uh, yeah. But what they're saying is that they are doing it for nef- nefarious reasons well like, they're doing it secretly if nothing else yeah 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 exactly so um there's a bunch of websites that's not true by the way what 
any of what you've just said. No, it's not true at all. Absolutely no way but, it's true. But, I, but we have friends. For the very reason that I continually say is that, A, okay, I'll give you two reasons why that's not true. A, people aren't fucking organized enough to do the shit they're meant to do on purpose. Mm. Then the secret organizations just, really? Mm. They can't organize fucking normal shit. You really think that there's a secret new world order yeah. and that they're keeping this like worldwide conspiracy fucking underground and nobody's ever talked against it. No one has, has gone turncoat. No one's ever leaked anything about it. <laughs> and they're using that immense worldwide network they have to control weather. Yeah. That's what they're doing with it. <laughs> fucking idiots. <laughs> B, if the people in charge of it were going to be, it wouldn't be governments. The people in charge would be private enterprise. Yeah, like there's no doubt that you know. Why would you do if it if you tried to for sell, profit? Yeah, if you tried to sell me the idea that a Rupert Murdoch type or a somebody like that was like you know trying do, to uh, make us more subservient, so we buy more of his papers. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, there's, at least there's some sort of vague logic to that. But well, that's the thing. I mean, how do, do how do government after government of different political persuasions maintain continue the same lie? The same lie? Well, I don't makes know. Makes no sense. Well, I think chemtrails is fairly recent, so they could probably argue on oh, no, this. Right. Is a, it's an Obama. An thing. Obama thing. <laughs> socialist? He's a socialist fucking... Uh, 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 Wasn't born in America. No. Wasn't born in America. Possibly a Muslim. He's definitely name- a socialist. <laughs> and mad for chemtrails. chemtrails. <laughs> if you go to like Wikipedia and you type it in, the, the, they... I mean, Wikipedia, which is no bastion of truth, yep. dismiss it quite quickly and easily. You know? like, Even by our standards. Yeah, this is fucking crazy. I mean, because they... Aviation authorities, I mean, they have documented records of every flight that's ever taken place. Yeah. They have records of what was on that plane that flew. Like, it's, you can't just fly a plane across a city and not have, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's like black ops kind of operations going on. But if you're being black ops, don't leave a huge trail that everyone can fucking see. It makes no fucking flying, sense. Like, if you don't want anyone to know. They've somehow nailed this technology but haven't made it invisible. They've come up with mind control technology. That they have a worldwide conspiracy of getting out there without anybody knowing, but the one thing they overlooked was making it invisible <laughs> to the human eye. Like, it makes no fucking sense. Well, you could understand that maybe the first, maybe they employ that, uh, the mind control drug for the first week or so, and then all reports are back, oh, people can see the vapor trail. No. Maybe we should just halt operation on uh, Project Scorpion. He goes, <laughs> no, once we control their minds enough, we can convince them they don't see. The chemical trails. It's like, are you stoned? <laughs> Why have we let Snoop Dogg come up with <laughs> suggestions? <laughs> I'm always fascinated by conspiracy theories because there is so many of them. And I just my my I just think in general, like when something happens, it normally comes down to human incompetence more than it would ever come into yeah, a some huge, grand conspiracy. A cabal of uh, uh, conspirators. It I mean, people love it. People love the idea of the conspiracy theory, and I'm quite fascinated by it myself. But none of them make any sense. I think there are conspiracy. Like, I think there can be conspiracies on a small level. Like, for instance, um, uh, like Valkyrie, the story of the the Nazi who tried to assassinate Hitler. That was a yeah. conspiracy. Yeah. I think that can work. It's the global conspiracies. It's a, any conspiracy that has publicity. I think by its definition, is not really a conspiracy because aren't conspiracies undetected generally to be successful? You can't have a successful conspiracy if Wikipedia has a page on it, can you? Why haven't the government who are behind this conspiracy just tracked down the people who run these websites and controlled their mind with their drugs that they have? 
Surely if dropping one out of a plane, you could just squirt one in someone's face. Yeah, and they'd totally. be right up. Send it in the mail, anthrax stuff. Yeah, makes no sense. No. but these... Do you believe in any conspiracy theories? Like, is there any of them that you go, oh, Well, I think I was a bit, um, I think I was a bit 50-50 on JFK. Okay. But then I watched this documentary very recently, which pretty much explains what happened, like, why there was the delay with the bullets, where the bullets came from. I mean, because the big argument, the one that everyone knows from JFK is the magic bullet. Yeah. Which, you know, on the evidence they give you in JFK, you go, fuck, yeah. Like, how did one bullet do all that damage? It's very simple. The car that he was riding in the, cause they went and back to the car manufacturers was on different levels. So JFK, cause originally people thought that because the guy sitting in front of JFK was also struck by the bullet and people imagined if, if they're sitting on the same level, how could the bullet have moved yeah. through his shoulder and then, you know, down to back, here, back into the left. Yeah. But the guy in front was sitting lower. So it was just a straight line. The bullet continued in a straight line. So once I saw that, I was like, you know what? I think that JFK, it was Lee Harvey Oswald. I mean, it's a really romantic kind of idea that the, there was some kind of huge conspiracy to kill the white knight of, you know, American politics. But I think that's just what it is. Like, he was the Harvey Dent. Yeah. That's as close, though. Do, do, do you reckon that's what happened? Like, he was the Harvey Dent and Lee, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was like, actually... That man. Yeah, he was just like... <laughs> I did this. <laughs> well, that would be a great... <laughs> That'd be a great scene, right? To say the Dark Knight, there's an additional five minutes afterwards, which is, you know, that very famous footage of Lee Harvey Oswald getting let out by the cops and yep. Jack Ruby shooting him. Yep. So at the end of the Dark Knight, you see Commissioner Gordon walking Batman to prison. <laughs> and this guy with a bowler hat runs out and goes, Hey, Batman! Shoots <laughs> from the guts. This is that, that scene previous where he's like, because obviously, to make that analogy work, uh, yeah, JFK, something's about to come out about JFK. Yeah. You know, the, that he's you know, actually got two faces. That he's going to ruin like his whole sort of you know, legacy and whatever that he's he trying to do. killed three cops. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, Batman's it up and just goes, I did this. <laughs> I was in the book depository. <laughs> but Lee, you didn't do it. Let them chase me, because I can take it. It's like, Leha, why are you speaking in that weird voice? I don't know. <laughs> Do you believe in any conspiracies? I don't think so. I can't. I mean, JFK would be as close to one that you go, yeah, there's a lot about, about that. that that you kind of... Like Harold Holt. Do you think there's a conspiracy there? Oh, that yeah. Harold Holt's the Australian Prime Minister who uh, disappeared at the beach. Yeah. And he was Prime Minister at the time. Mm. And, uh, I mean, he... Pro- I imagine he just drowned, but they've ne- they didn't find the body. So there's always been conspiracies that he was, you know, picked up in a sub and taken to Russia or whatever. And <laughs> and in that great Australian respectful of Prime Minister's ways, there's a uh, swimming pool in Melbourne called the Harold Holt Memorial Swimming Pool. <laughs> I just had my swimming lessons yeah. there. And welcome to the Michael Hutchins Memorial Belt Time. <laughs> <laughs> We've opened the Michael Jackson Prescription Drug, drug Facility. <laughs> Um, no, I don't believe that Harold Holt was taken by the Russians. I believe that Harold Holt went for a swim at the beach and either drowned or was, you know, taken by a shark or whatever. But- well, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, the problem, the reason why people like conspiracies is the same reason people like psychics. Yeah. is because it's so much more fun to imagine that there's this kind of world outside of the very mundane and normal that is having an influence Well, I on think that people also want to believe that there is a purpose to our lives that there is some sort of reason, you know, that someone is in control. Nothing happens by accident. Yeah, that people are in control of things. But the truth of it is that... You can get a stitch while you're swimming. 
whatever. You yeah. know, it's like it's much more likely that our lives are completely random. Like, like it makes sense. There's billions of us in the world, and you want to think you don't want to just think that your life is just an accident of like you know. Yeah, shit coming together in the universe and then billions of people having these lives and you're just part of that. Yeah. A tiny speck of meaninglessness. So insignificant. In the middle of nothing. People don't want to believe that. Don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it really makes you leap out of bed in the morning. But people don't want to believe that, you know. So people look for meaning in the world. They look for, you know, religion or they look for explanations or, you know, for some people it's science and stuff like that. But they look for something that says... There's a reason all this happens. Your life isn't pointless. Yeah. This is why you're here. There's an explanation for what is going on. Yeah. I mean, try explaining that to someone who has nothing. Like, you know, some kid who was born in the slums of fucking Mumbai or something like that. You know, just saying, there's a reason for all of this. Don't worry. There's a plan. No, there's not. Just some people have fucking shit luck. Some people have good luck. But it's so arrogant, isn't it? That idea that, like, sometimes you do that sort of thing of going, yeah, we'll be great in this life and then we'll go to heaven. And then you go... What the fuck did all those people in Africa do? Yeah, you know, like if by just by that logic. Yeah, you know, there's one of those great internet sort of memes, and it's like one of those, and it's quite dark to be honest. But it's it's basically, I think it was like a yeah, someone winning a Grammy or whatever, going, I'd like to thank God, and then the next like you know frame is someone like winning doing a touchdown or whatever, going, I'd like to thank God, and the third one is just like a starving African baby. But the logic of that is like yeah. If you look for the if meaning, it is, makes yeah. no sense. I had this great... Um, I'm, I'm not a Christopher Hitchens expert, only since he died. Really amazing clip on YouTube where uh, his book, uh, God is Not Great. Yep. Um, I've read that. Uh, he, has this on, he has this debate. Have you heard this? It's a debate with a Christian radio yep. presenter yep. where he talks about, uh, you know, uh, basically the, the, the Christian radio presenter is trying to kind of, knowing he's an atheist, is trying to kind of entrap him into saying, if there is a God, hypothetically, does that put you in a position where, you know, you could be in trouble? And Hitchens is just so masterfully deflecting each kind of like clumsy attempt to entrap him. And there's one amazing bit where... Um, it's essentially like they're on a date and she's like an experienced woman and he's like some teenager going, I'll do the yawn, I'll reach for yeah, the boob. Yeah. And he's like, no, nah, we'll away. just put that back yeah. over there. <laughs> but there's an amazing part where I don't know exactly what um, the, the wording was, but he was talking about God and you know why he doesn't believe in a God, why he doesn't honor and worship a God. And he's gone because um, not even a parent requires the amount of praise and attention that this God <laughs> seems to demand of me. Like, why does he need Mate, constant you made praise the fucking and attention? Place. You're the center of the entire fucking universe. Do I have to every day fucking tell you? You are a needy bitch, God. Yeah. And what about the people who have nothing? Uh, are they praising him for the, for the same thing? Like, what wh- what is the logic behind that? There is the I don't understand where uh, you know the poor fit into that that kind of every there's a plan for everyone kind of thing. But also just in in the idea of rational thought, like because I've always been of the belief that you know, and maybe this is a self serving belief, but I've always been of the belief that if there were a god, mm. so say you know. Because there are so many stories in the world, Charlie, that have a similar sort of theme. You know, all the religions of the world, you know, at the heart of them have very similar themes. So maybe there is something in our DNA or evolution or in, you know, our universe that, you know, that story is being told over and over because there is some Mm. truth to it, even even if the details... Get muddled. Get muddled. Maybe there is some sort of, you know... God or, you know, 
creator or or maybe what people are describing is an event or a, you know or whatever but yeah okay so I, I get all that I, I get all the whole sort of like but it's the certainty of people that their one mm. is the right one mm. like I, I've always like I just think imagine if you spend your whole life being religious and you die and they're like ah well we've got some good news and some bad news the good news is there is a God bad news is you Whatever. picked the wrong pony, buddy. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I remember growing up a Catholic and having that conversation. I mean, that was the one, that was the conversation that got me sent to India was I was saying, like, how do we know that this is the right religion, you know? Like, because especially when you go to a place like that where you see literally hundreds of religions that are sort of very dutifully kind of attended to, I don't have nearly the amount of commitment as the guy who twice a day points to Mecca and fucking mm. prays. I don't have that level of commitment yet. My religion's better. That guy seems much more devoted yeah. than me. He does Ramadan. He's really into his religion. <laughs> yeah. And yet somehow this is right. Like surely if there was a, a just God, he would look at the guy who was doing the, the, the honoring thing and go, well, look, I know he was sort of uh, in the wrong, like he, he was misguided, but you know what? He's a, he's a good guy. He worships a God. Yeah. I'll bring him over. No, no, no. We're going to take no, the no. guy. The guy goes to church uh, once a week. Yeah. <laughs> Cheats on his wife, steals, you know. Well, imagine if I was right. I was raised, I don't know, Church of England. It would have been like, uh, we took the guy who came once a year at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> the Church of Santa. <laughs> it's like, whatever, that'll do. Um, I, I find that really weird. So if there were a higher purpose to it, like if there were a God or whatever, I would have hoped that that's the sort of, person or being or whatever that would judge people based on the sort of lives they lived rather than you know the, the sort strict of, uh like membership yeah they had yeah definitely and uh, if it's not you if know it's someone like, who's really like you lived a good life but fuck you because you didn't go to yeah, church okay then i don't want to be part of your fucking club hypothetically yeah. right you run a hospital yeah and it's your job every year to take in the best kind of uh university graduates as interns yeah so you're taking the best university graduates. There's a guy who never went to university, yeah. but they've tested him and his medical knowledge is faultless. Yeah. He knows just as much as other guys. It's just that he learned on his own. You know? But even better than that, he is not just a guy who knows medical knowledge, but he's a guy who enacted actually helping people yeah. rather than yeah. like saying, you know, buy the, you know, the book. Go and buy the book. Yeah. Do you not take that guy into your hospital? I mean, you probably get sued if something get wrong. So, like, if he did an operation and then something went wrong, right. somebody's like, "Hang on, does this guy have qualifications?" So that's, then it'd be all over the. That papers. makes sense. That's why yeah. God doesn't accept Muslims or yeah. Buddhists or Jainists if because they fuck he, something up. He doesn't want to get He'll sued. Get sued. <laughs> should we? Uh, that seems like a note to wrap it up on. <laughs> yeah, we should. Um, please check out our Facebook page. Yeah. Um, we also have a Twitter page or a Twitter page, not Twitter page. We have a Twitter account yep. called TweetFop. Yep. Um, uh, if you listen to this show on iTunes, I know some people don't listen on iTunes and the ones who don't listen on iTunes always aggressively tell me <laughs> that they don't listen on iTunes, which is fine. We both have an iTunes and, you know, a non iTunes yeah. uh, account. But if you do listen to the show on iTunes, um, if you rate it, uh, when you download it, that um, helps us on the charts, which just gets the podcast out to more people. So that would be cool if you could take the time to do that. And I'm on tour at the moment, Adelaide, Brisbane, Melbourne, uh, willanderson.com.au if you want to come and see my show, Will Arius. Uh So that's what it, Will Arius, right? Yeah. That's what it's called. Did you, what was, do you have a, a runner up? <laughs>
name? I don't do like I have a long list of names. Yeah. So what was what was what was it almost? So you may use that. So you can't say what was a rejected one. There was no rejection. Oh, come on. There has to be one that you're like, oh, what was I thinking? Uh, no, not uh, um, simply irresistible. <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. The first rule of Fight Club is... Exterminate! <laughs>